This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, your host and publisher of MaxList. Our show is brought to you by MaxList and by our book, Land Your Dream Job in Portland and Beyond. To learn more about the book and the updated edition that we published on February 1st, visit maxlist.org book. Hey, Mac. So I've been involved in this iteration of the book, uh, and I know that you had a first edition that was out before I started working at MaxList. And I've, I've always kind of wondered, what inspired you guys to write this book? It was our readers that of our blog that really drove this, Ben. We wanted to share our best advice from the blog, especially the insider tips from more than a dozen local experts. And we had readers tell us they they didn't have time to wade through three years of blog posts. We, as you know, because you edit the blog now, there are three to five posts every week. So we wanted to make all of our best work available in one easy to read book. And that's what readers will find, eight chapters, 120 pages, and they'll find in the book insider information you won't find anywhere else. Most Americans begin work full-time after high school or college and hope to retire at age 65 or even older. That doesn't mean, however, that we remain in the workplace continuously for 40-plus years. Along the way, many of us will stop working outside the home to care for children, parents, or other family members. Cheryl Sandberg, author of Lean In, estimates that 43% of highly qualified women with children are leaving careers for a period of time. And the Huffington Post says that there are more than 10 million Americans older than age 50 who are caring for aging parents. Whatever your reason for putting your career on hold, one day you will likely be ready to go back to work. This week on Find Your Dream Job, we're talking about how to return to work at any age. Ben Forstag has a book that shows you how to plan a break from your job and return to employment when you're ready. Aubrey DeClerc answers a listener's question about how to explain a gap on your resume when you stayed home to raise your kids. And I talked to this week's guest expert, a career counselor who helps people return to the workforce after a long absence. We're back in the MaxList studio. Joining me are Ben Forstag, our managing director, and our guest co-host this week, Aubrey DeClerc of Coaching for Clarity. All of us are employed full-time right now, but I'm wondering, have either one of you taken time out from your career, uh, either to care for children or other family members or for another reason? So I've never taken a prolonged period of time off. I did take a month off when my son was born a few months ago. Uh, my wife, though, she graduated from law school, worked for one year, and has not worked for the last three years as she's been taking care of our children. So uh, managing that dynamic of a professional taking time off, being home, and trying to balance family responsibilities with a desire to do something with her career, that's something that we face every day. It's a lot to juggle. How about you, Aubrey? I haven't taken any specific time off. I have had a period of time in my work life where I used the flexibility from my employer to its maximum amount. Uh, my mom has MS, and there was a time where with her illness, she needed a lot of support in her care. And I was really fortunate to have a company and a manager that supported me in going and coming whenever I needed to, trusting me to get my work done, which I did. So I have felt the pull between... Uh, family needs and also work needs. I'm glad you had that support and you were able to to have that time with your mom. 
let's turn to Ben, who is always out there doing research. Every week between shows, he's looking around the internet for blogs, podcasts, and other tools you can use in your job search. Now, Ben, what have you got for us this week? So this week, I want to share a book that I read actually about a half a year ago, and it's called Reboot Your Life, Energize Your Career in Life by Taking a Break. It's by Catherine Allen, Nancy Berg, Rita Foley, and Jane Smith. So this book is all about the value of taking time off from work, which I admit is an odd topic for a podcast that's all about getting a job. But I thought there were some really valuable insights in this book that I wanted to share with our listeners. So I think most folks recognize that many professionals, if not all professionals today, are genuinely overworked. But the scope of this problem is probably bigger than we often recognize. Not just corporate bigwigs are being overworked. It's everyone, really. And if you think about you know how we take our work home with us now in ways we didn't 5, 10, 15 years ago, it's really clear. The authors write, um, today we rarely have time for rest. We have lost even our short breaks as technology, pagers, PCs, laptops, the internet, cell phones, Blackberries, and smartphones beckon us to be on 24-7. Even when we're supposedly off on weekends or in the evenings, we are on and it's taking a toll. So the solution, according to the authors, is to create more time and space away from work, which gives us not just an opportunity to relax, but also a chance to examine and think about the challenges we face in the workplace. And this last point is, is really important as one of the underlying premises here is that of all the hours we're logging in the office each day and all the emails we're responding to, the truth is we're really not that productive in our day-to-day work lives. This is a classic quantity over quality issue where we're doing more, we're just not doing it as well as we used to do or could be doing. So the big push by the authors here is to take full sabbaticals, three to six months out of the office. The book is full of testimonials from people who've taken those kind of sabbaticals and about the value it's brought to their lives. Uh, It reduces stress. It encourages creativity. And upon returning to work, these people report uh, dramatic increases in productivity. The authors provide a fairly comprehensive list of tools to help you prepare for a sabbatical, including financial planning and how to manage things like health insurance and retirement savings. But here's the bottom line, right? Not everyone is going to be able to take three to six months off of work. And in fact, I'd venture to say that most people can't. I include myself in that. That being said, I think there are some important lessons in this book that can apply to most people's work experiences. And that's really what I want to focus on here. The first lesson is the importance of stepping away from work, even for short periods of time. As the authors say, this provides perspective, it reduces tension, and it generally improves the contentment you have with your job. And when we operationalize this idea, it doesn't need to be big prolonged times away from the office, but things like turning off your email when you leave for work at the end of the day, or taking weekends off, or stepping away from a project if you have it in your timeline to do so, so you can get some clarity about that project, uh, think about it in a way that's not um, timeline-driven or deadline-driven. And I know I have a problem with this as well. Um, Mech, you're a great boss, and you don't demand that I'm checking email over the weekends. But I have a hard time not checking email, and part of that is just I don't want to be ambushed by a negative email on Monday morning kind of mentality. But I know that the more I can step away on the weekends, the more fresh I am and the more productive I am on Monday morning coming in and addressing things in a more uh, creative way. The other nugget of information I want to take out of this is that they talk a lot about the gift of time, right? And we need to give ourselves time 
uh, to decompress from work, to think differently about work. And I actually read this book when I was unemployed. And the value I got from it was not taking a sabbatical. I was already kind of on a sabbatical, but treating that unemployment time as the gift of time that because I didn't have a job, um, I could use this opportunity to think differently about uh, what I wanted to do with my career or think differently about projects or causes or issues or workplace dynamics that were important to me or new ways to approach the kind of work that I knew I wanted to do um, and taking advantage of that unemployment and that gift of time to uh, kind of reset my professional clock and my way of thinking. It's a really interesting book. And again, I encourage everyone to read it, whether you're working or looking to take time off, or maybe you already have time off. There's a lot of good insights there. Um, Again, the book is called Reboot Your Life, Energize Your Career and Life by Taking a Break. And I'll include a link in the show notes. Great. Thank you, Ben. And kudos to you for, during your time of unemployment, seeing that period as a gift of time. I certainly struggled myself. I've had two long periods of unemployment in my career with just the anxiety that comes with not knowing where your next job is going to be. And intellectually, I think, personally was aware that, well, I should take advantage of this time off. But I myself found it hard to do because I was thinking about uh, how do I get that next job? Don't sing my praises too highly, Mac. I, <laughs> I, I panic just about every day. Um, it's this unfortunate reality that you either have time or you have money, but rarely do you have both of them together. But after a month of, of actively searching and driving myself nuts during unemployment, um, I came to this realization that I can use this time not just to find a new job, but to do other things with my life and, and kind of reframe how I think about things. Okay, well, thanks. Well, do you have a suggestion for Ben, a book or a website or a podcast that has been helpful to you in your career or your job search? Uh, write him at ben at maxlist.org and you may hear your suggestion on the show. Now let's turn to you, our listeners. Our guest host this week is Aubrey DeClerc of Coaching for Clarity, and she joins us here in the studio to answer one of your questions. Aubrey, how are you? I'm very good. How are you, Mac? Good. What, what do you hear from our listeners this week? Well, this is what we have this week. I paused my career for several years to raise my children. How should I explain that gap on my resume? What are the best ways to frame this experience with a potential employer? This can be a really painful question for a lot of people, right? That the gap is something where they have a lack of confidence. They put a lot of time and attention on this gap. And so one of the things I wanted to mention is there's a great article on Working Mother called uh, Find the On-Ramp. And so on-ramping is, is a phrase that's used a lot in these scenarios. And it talks about speaking about that time, regardless of whether you talk about that in terms of volunteer work, in terms of the work that you did at home, but doing that with confidence and not going into a lot of detail. And I love that suggestion because we want to focus on what's going to open the doors for someone rather than go down this this um, detailed trail around what that that time at home was about. I think also looking at what was going on during that time and thinking about relevancy around the skill set and the contribution of the things that did happen. So whether that's the time at home or the time during volunteer work or connection around the community or doing part-time work, which a lot of people dismiss but has a lot of validity during this time. And making sure that the the conversation and the threads that pull those things together relate directly to what an employer is asking about. 
So that's one way of addressing it with an employer, let's say, in, in a verbal context a lot of times, right, during an interview. But when we take a look at the resume, there's a couple of choices that are there. Some people state they put something in specifically about their time at home that covers that gap so there isn't just an empty spot. And you can fill that in with the things that we, you know, I was already mentioning, right, that community involvement, the volunteer work, part-time work, or connection to the skills. A lot of times if people are homeschooling their children, there's a lot to be said about the skills that, that it takes to do that in application um, to future work. Well, I, I think that's terrific advice, Aubrey. As, as a job seeker, uh, when I've been unemployed for more than a few weeks, I've used my volunteer experience and plugged that into my resume. Uh, and then as an employer, when I'm reviewing resumes, I think that uh, volunteer experience is certainly a valid use of time. And I've also seen applicants talk about spending time at home, caring for parents or, or raising kids. And just having an explanation of some kind makes all the difference. You know, everybody has a parent or many of us have children. We're all going to sympathize and and understand uh, why people take that time away to do it. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I'm looking forward to hearing Kristen talk about is what's the you know employer reaction to this kind of thing. I think we have a tendency when we um, are thinking about things that are we perceive as we can be difficult or challenging to tell a story about what employer's response is going to be. Right? Oh well, it's going to go like this. They're going to you know they're going to toss my resume out at the very beginning. And I'm not saying that those things don't happen. I'm just saying that there's many different stories around the way that employers feel about their kind of experience and the values that they have and the kind like you're talking about, Mac, to their own lives and the willingness to have conversations about what that means for someone and see those connections between what that person's life experience has brought them and what that life experience can bring as a value to where they're working. Okay, good point. And we'll certainly explore that in the interview with, with Kristen. Well, if you have a question for us, we'd love to hear from you. Please email communitymanager at maxlist.org. These segments with Aubrey and, and Ben are sponsored by the 2016 edition of our book, Land Your Dream Job in Portland and Beyond. Now, we've made that book even better. We've added new content, and now we're offering it in multiple formats, including the paperback and Kindle editions. For the first time, you can download it on your Nook, iPad, Kindle, or buy it via us or Amazon as a paperback. But whatever the format, our goal is the same, to give you tools and tips you need to get the meaningful work you want that can make a difference. For more information, visit our website, www.maxlist.org book, and sign up for our special book newsletter. You'll get updates not available elsewhere, exclusive book content, and special prices. Now let's turn to this week's guest expert, Kristen Schumann. Kristen Schumann works with professionals in transition, whether they're changing careers, starting businesses, or relaunching into the workforce after an absence raising kids or returning to school. Before focusing on career counseling, Kristen ran a branding business and a women's magazine, Nervy Girl. As a mother who returned to school after age 40, she's especially attuned to the needs of midlife professionals in transition. Kristen, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you making the the trip downtown and coming to the MaxList studio. So we're talking today about returning to work at any age, though right. I think for many of our listeners that means time uh, spent at home, often raising a family mm-hmm. or caring for a parent or other family member. W- what do you find in your work? What do people need to do first when they're ready to come back to the workplace after a long absence? Well, besides the obvious things around 
getting your resume in shape and um, whatnot. I, I think what's important to remember is is to to maybe be willing to be a little bit humble about what your expectations might be about going back into the workplace. So maybe take something um, not entry level, but um, maybe a step behind where you were before. Um, it's not always necessary, but it's just willing to sort of be be open to that. So tell us more about that, because okay. I think I've certainly been in periods in my career, and I think where my pride got the better of me, and mm-hmm. I thought, oh no, I'm I've moved beyond that, and I'm I don't obviously the show's not about me, but I I know that some people might think, no, I I'm senior enough that I shouldn't have to take a step back. Why why can that help people in the long run, Kristen? Because I think it's important to remember that that even if you have to take a step back, that that a lot of companies are willing to move you up pretty quickly once they see that you have a drive. I've heard that New Seasons is actually really good about that. That if they know that you um, that you have a lot of potential and that you're really committed to their to their values and and being part of their family, so to speak, that they they will move you up within weeks, not just months or years. So just to be to be to be you know open to that. And I hate to say this, but I, I find that it's harder for men to. To, to believe that than women oh, sometimes. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you might have to be. And I've heard that that about the when the economy took a hit that that it was easier for women to to accommodate to that because of that because women were willing to to take you know less senior positions. And, yeah. yeah. Okay, so people have gotten their resume in order, updated their LinkedIn profile, and they're they're looking for opportunities. They're ready to go back, and they're mentally prepared to take a position a step or two below where they were when they last stepped out of the workforce. Right. What else should they think about? They should think about strategically volunteering. And by strategically volunteering, I mean volunteering in a way that is going to put them on the path to their career. Um, sometimes there, there are a lot of times people when they come back to the workforce after um, taking a, a break from, you know, like you said, either parenting or, or, or caregiving or what have you, an illness sometimes, they they want to change because their priorities change, right? So those are the best examples of times when it's maybe a good opportunity to to find an organization. And it doesn't have to be a nonprofit. It can be. Those are awesome places to volunteer and to get some uh, strategic volunteering experience. But I like people to also think about community projects that they might not think of. Like, like if you hear that a farmer's market's getting started in your neighborhood, you know, jump on board with that and you'll meet people from kind of all walks of life and you'll, you'll pick up skills from not just the people that maybe are supervising the project, but, but all around you because a lot of people join those projects who have given skills, but they want to give back. So to be open to that. Okay. So I'm a big fan in volunteering, but I can imagine some of our listeners, friends and family might say, well, no, what you really need to do is start applying for jobs Mm -hmm. and sit down and start looking at job boards or for the very old fashioned looking in the newspaper. Sure. Why shouldn't that be the first logical step? Why can volunteering help you more, perhaps, when you're coming back into the workforce? You know, if you're ready to jump back in, I think that's great. But I think sometimes when you're in a period of transition where you're not sure if, you know, what your next step is, that that stepping back and volunteering for a while can be great because it can give you the opportunity to not only explore other realms that you might not have explored before and see what that's like, right? Um, Why not take take advantage of that? But also it, it can give you a chance to kind of grow skills that may not be open to you in the workplace. So like like maybe grant writing might be a good example of that, right? You can't just go out and necessarily and go out and say, I'm going to be a grant writer, even if you've taken a couple classes. In most cases, you're going to have to write a grant for someone to prove 
you know, to prove that you can to win some grants or at least have some writing samples to, prepare to, to prepare to other, um, employers. So that's a, I guess that's, that's what I would say. Okay. That. No, I, that makes perfect sense. And what about people who say, well, gosh, I, I want to return to the profession I, I was pursuing. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, I've got 10, 15, 20 years experience before I right. stepped out of the workforce. Why does volunteering make sense for me now? It's not as competitive as it has been for the last, you know, several years, but it's still competitive. And you're just going to want to shore up those resources and get those recommendations, references that you're going to that you're going to need when you go back into the workforce. So it doesn't mean you can't take a two-pronged approach, right? Apply for jobs by all means, but but also think about places where you might volunteer that to get that experience that are going to put you on that right path. And um, not only the experience, but the the relationships, the relationships, the, the networking, exactly growing right. your network, and yeah, and, and the recommendations, right? So you talked about expectations, Kristen, about perhaps um, thinking about uh, applying for a position a little more junior than the one you might have last right. had. What are other expectations should people have when they're getting ready to go back to the workplace after a long absence? Things change, you know, and that things seem to be changing more now than ever, right, with technology and things like social media that that some people have different feelings about, let's put it that way. (laughs) At the same time, while there's sort of these things that are changing and there's ageism and whatnot, to remember that you do have a lot to offer. You know, you have years of experience that you can bring to the table and, and not to forget that. And that can be, it can be really easy to feel kind of minimized, you know, in a very youthful centric culture that we have but to remember that that you do have you know experience and a lot to offer i encourage people to to remember that good now we were talking earlier in the show we had a question from a listener about how to describe uh a a period like this when you're out of the workforce for some years how, how to best describe it on your resume and and the three of us were saying that we think that employers generally understand they're just looking for an explanation. Right. right. What's your best advice about how to not only talk about on your resume, but in interviews about uh, an absence from the workplace? Kind of what you just said. It's it's realizing that people do understand, but then also being ready to talk about it, right? Being ready to maybe role play before your interview and, and talk about, about your absence and why it happened and, and not to get flustered. We can often feel if we're taking care of kids for years at a time or that or a parent or, or, or we're like ill and, and spending time doing th- things in coffee shops that we feel like, you know, our brain is rotting or whatnot, that um, if you're, you're able to speak about it succinctly and, and and actually talk about the skills that, that that experience taught you, you know, that being a mother taught me to multitask and taught me to prioritize, you know, taught me to make decisions quickly, you know, that those things have value. Not every employer is going to get that and, and that's okay, but the right employer for you, the one that's going to understand your lifestyle because, you know, it's probably pretty likely that you still have kids in the household if you're going back to work or that your your illness could recur if it's an illness that took you out of the workforce, you're going to need a workplace that's going to understand that and be accommodating for you. So you're going to want to work for somebody who's not too hard-nosed about it, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. I know you work with a lot of people who are, are making this transition back into the workplace. What are some of the most common concerns you hear? Just the idea that that their priorities have changed, right? Whether it's because they got divorced or because they 
experienced having kids and that changes you or this illness an illness can be a, a life-changing thing taking care of a parent all those things can make you reassess your own priorities and so often I just hear people I just can't go back to that I can't go back to you know managing data or you know what is whatever it is um, and they want something that's going to be sort of more life-affirming and as as people go through that process Kristen, of, of discovery, how do you see them get clear about what they want to do next? And what do you, what, what steps do they take? We do a lot of self-exploration. So we do things around looking at our values, a values assessment sort of sort that we do with cards, actually. And we look at skills in the same way. Like, what, what do you want to do for 50% of your day? What do you want to do for 25% of your day? Um, what do you want to be a minor role in your day? And um, that has a way of sort of just, you know, helping people clarify. Things like the Myers-Briggs is another tool we use to help people get some self-understanding. Um, you might have heard of the strong inventory. We do that as well. Um, sometimes I have some other exercises I have people do. I, I This one's a little bit more... Um, person specific. If they're, if they tell me they're a writer or they like to write, I like them to write their own obituary. It sounds a little morbid, but it's a great exercise for determining, you know, what do I want to be written on my tombstone? What do I want to have achieved in my life? I think that's a great exercise, and um, it's actually one I've done myself. Have it? Yeah. So it is very illuminating when you think about what you want to be remembered for. Right. And vision yeah. boarding is another thing I've added recently yeah. that, that is really fun for people to do. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is that it, it's common for people to think about a different set of goals when they come back to the workforce because right. of because of an experience they've had with family or an illness or, right. or a parent. Right. Um, and so they need to be prepared to to address that and get clear about what those goals are. Right. And some part of that self exploration is also determining what what do you want your workplace to look like, right? Do you want it to be a small startup? Do you want to go back into like a fast-paced, busy environment? Some people like that, you know? And so determining what that what you want that to look like. What are some other points you like to make with people who are returning to the workforce after a long absence? Things they should think about? They should be patient, you know, that it will it might take some time and to to really not underemphasize the the aspect of networking and a, a lot of introverts really get kind of freaked out about that. But what I say is, I, I go back to that, the never eat alone guy, right? Just Oh, uh, Keith Ferrarenzi? Yeah, I know yeah. it's an Italian name. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's Keith Ferrarenzi. I've actually got that book on my bookshelf. Yeah. Uh, never eat and, lunch alone again. Yeah, right. and just the, the idea that you, you don't, don't necessarily go to sort of dry, boring networking events that leave you feeling like, you know, standing in the corner. Go, to, go, to, go do things that you like to do. Go kayaking and, and network with your you know, your, your book group and, and also let people know, even your friends that, that you're looking, you know, and you're exploring and, you know, and people want good things for you. So they want, they want you to be linked up with opportunities. Good. What are some, uh, what, what are some mistakes you've seen people make that our, our listeners should avoid? I think maybe the high expectations too soon being, you know, wanting that great job that they had when they left again, you know, that, that $130,000 job, they want they want to get back into that right away, and they might have to be patient and wait, and you know, and or wanting you know uh, the great pay, but they don't want a long commute, and they don't want to work long hours. You know, if you're working for a six figure job, you're probably going to be working long hours. You know, okay. so. Well, we need to start wrapping up, Kristen. Uh, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Just did want to maybe add that I am really prepared to help people with 
more the solopreneur aspect of things too. So a lot of people come to me and they, they end up at the end of it, particularly if they've been out of the workforce for a while, deciding that they want to start a business. So that's something that um, I like people to just really think about too, yeah. that, it's, that it is an option and, and there's a solopreneur boom going on right now. And to not dismiss that, that instinct that, that you might have to start a business. Yeah, self-employment isn't for everybody, but I think right. as you, uh, the point you're making is a really important one, which is that there, it, there are more opportunities to do that, I think, than there ever have been in the past. Right. And, uh, and depending on your goals, especially if they've changed, can make a, it can be a very smart option. Right. Well, great. Well, Kristen, thanks so much for joining us. Now, tell us what's coming up next for you. Well, I'm getting, in the spirit of entrepreneurship, I'm getting some um, groups started in the next month. One is going to be for people starting a business, and it'll be about five people, um, kind of a sounding board for people to come and um, sort of bounce ideas off each other and, and work through their concepts. And in some cases, a few people um, would be welcome who don't quite know what they want to do. Um, but if they do know what they want to do, they'd, we'd get started on um, getting a business plan started them and then another group is more for creative people who have a business who've who have been doing it for a while but also want that sounding board want that group of people to work with that uh, will give them feedback and keep them motivated <laughs> well i imagine people can find out more about that on your website they can okay terrific and you can find uh kristen schumann online at www.aportlandcareer.com that's right. Okay. All right. Thank you, Mac. All right. Thank you, Kristen. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Well, we're back in the Maxwell studio. Aubrey, Ben, what, what were some of the most important points you heard Kristen make? The point that resonated with me most, and I know it was resonate with um, the listeners, is this notion of when you take some time off, that priorities shift and change, and allow yourself some time to reevaluate what that might mean for your career. I think a lot of times we're in a rush to move from one thing to the next, and that transitions have their own natural flow and their own natural unfolding. And so I appreciated the, the space that Kristen talked about in creating one's own desires around what they want their work to look like and also patience with what happens after that. People, for all the right reasons, want to rush immediately to the application process and they start applying uh, both to job boards and uh, positions they hear about online. And if they're not clear about their goals and uh, what they want, that could be a, a lot of wasted effort. Ben, how about you? Well, Kristen hit on one of our recurring themes on this podcast, which is networking, 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 and uh, how important networking is to finding a job. Um, and I liked her point about uh, not just the formal go-to industry events or, or mixers kind of form, uh, kind of networking, but the just putting yourself out there and letting your friends and your colleagues and your Facebook acquaintances and your kayaking club know that you are looking for work because uh, you don't know the kind of connections those people have. And I know many, many people who found work through those kind of connections. Yeah, word of mouth is a powerful way to, to learn about job openings. And, and you do that through networking. And it doesn't have to mean going to an event where business cards are exchanged. It can be as simple as just chatting with your neighbors and friends or people you meet while walking your dog. Yeah, the key is just putting yourself out there and being open about what you're looking for and, and why you're looking for it. And people are happy to help. Great. 
Well, thank you both. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us. We hope that you'll come back next week. In the meantime, visit us at maxlist.org, where you'll find hundreds of jobs. You can read our blog and learn more about our new book, as well as get show notes and transcripts for this and other podcast shows. And if you like what you hear on the show, you can help us by leaving a review and a rating at iTunes. Now, this helps others discover our show and helps us serve you and other job seekers better. Uh, one of the reviews recently we received is from Pop RV, who writes on our iTunes page. The folks at MaxList are offering information, guidance, and support for efficiently finding the right work in this economy. The traditional popularized approaches are dysfunctional games of chance, says Pop RV. Spraying resumes and cover letters then praying for results works well only for the very few. These folks know what works and share it. Great contributions to the community. Thank you. Thank you, Pop RV, and thanks to the scores of other listeners who've left a review. Uh, we hope that you'll take a moment and leave your own comments and ratings. Just go to www.maxlist.org slash iTunes. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next Wednesday with more tips and tools you can use to find your dream job. Oh,